0: This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. You're listening to The Church Boys Free Fall Q&A. It's Billy Halliwell here for The Church Boys, and I have a very special guest today. It is Don Piper, the author and also the subject of the book and movie 90 Minutes in Heaven. How are you doing today? Very
1: good. Thank you. How about you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I've actually wanted to talk with you for a while. We've covered your story um, a number of times in the past. And so for those who aren't familiar, and I know you've told this story many times, but I'd love to just get sort of an overview uh, of what happened to you that day back in 1989? Uh, you were in a terrible accident, and I won't steal your thunder. I'll allow you to take us through just uh, the general overview, and then we'll sort of dive into some of the deeper pieces of the story about what happened um, during that accident.
1: Well, I was just uh, a pastor in uh, in a church south of Houston, Texas, a small town called Alvin, and. Uh... I had gone to a conference about 130 miles north of there you know, and um, in a rural area, a beautiful resort uh, on a lake and uh, it lasted for three days uh, on a Wednesday morning. It ended and uh, we were all dismissed, uh, probably a couple hundred pastors and we're all going back to our respective uh, homes uh, or churches. I was going back to my church. Um, because it was Wednesday, I was going to lead a Bible study that Wednesday night. So it's cold and a rainy morning, uh, so it was kind of a miserable day weather-wise. But, uh, you know, when you're headed home, you're not really thinking about that. So I had a stack of sermons on the seat beside me because I was getting ready to start a new sermon series the following Sunday morning. I never did preach any of those sermons in my church because, uh, well, I, I was unable to do so. But they were there. And uh, and so I turned out of the gates of the conference center and headed home. I uh, I, I went home a different way, just out of curiosity, frankly. I had never been that way before. So I turned to the right instead of the left, my usual route. And um, if you go to the right, you have to cross the lake. So uh, the long elevated highway, at the end of the highway is an old bridge. And uh, having never been that way before, I'm very unfamiliar territory. Like I said, the weather was cold and rainy. So I'm driving onto this long two-lane bridge, the kind that has the metal superstructure over the top of it. I'm almost off the bridge, coming in the opposite direction. There's a tractor trailer truck, an 18-wheeler, driving at a high rate of speed. He comes down a steep embankment onto the bridge, and uh, suddenly a uh, car pulled out in front of him, he said, and so he swear to miss that car, and we did. he came into my lane and hit me head on the nine wheels on the driver's side of the truck just rolled over at the top of my car, crushed it. Wow it's a reeling railing of the bridge and then swerved back over in his lane and hit two more cars. So I was killed instantly. Um, and fortunately no one else was hurt, the other two drivers nor he.
0: Well let me ask you let me ask you this, because I mean that that experience obviously that's something that you never forget. Um, it, it's horrific. And you said you were killed instantly. And I think it's the next part of the story, obviously, that um, led to your book. Um, I think it was back in 2004, you published uh, Nine Minutes in Heaven, and now the film, which comes out um, on Friday, September 11th. Tell me, what happens next? So you're, you're on the pavement, I would imagine, from what I know of your story, lifeless. What happens next? This is the part of the story, I think, everybody that, that sort of captured so much attention.
1: Well, the, the, I took my last breath uh, in the car on the bridge and my next breath at uh, the gates of heaven. Uh, there are 12 of them, according to Revelation. And uh, I was standing at one of them. And it looks like the inside of an oyster, really. It's a gate made of, made of pearl and uh, quite dazzling. I thought it was a living gate. But uh, in retrospect, it was probably just the light reflecting off the gate. It made it look that way. Because the light in heaven is God. Uh, it's his place. Thing about heaven is you're with God, and and uh, it, it's brilliant. that uh, We blinded by with earthly, li- earthly eyes. If we if we were seeing with earthly eyes, so I panned down from this incredible gate, and I'm looking into my grandfather's face. I had been with him when he died, and uh, I rode in the ambulance actually when he died, and really was, was the first person who was informed of his death. So being very close to him, uh, it was devastating.
0: Did you know instantly where you were consciously? I mean, were you, obviously you, you remember you have this accident. Next thing you know, you, you wake up in this place. Did, did you know inherently right away?
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because, um, I knew where he was, you know, I, I'd lost him. I loved him very much and then he's gone. And, and I often say I have a lot of broken bones, but no, it's like a broken heart. So I, and now I'm looking into his space, um, Last time I saw him, his face, it was in the casket. You know. Now um, he's standing in front of me with his arms extended and, uh, and saying uh, in a language I've never heard before, Welcome home, Donnie. And uh, I'm looking at him. And uh, on, he, on earth, he was missing fingers on both hands. And now I'm, I'm looking down at those hands, and the, the fingers are restored. And he looked magnificent. Uh, so, I, yes, I knew immediately where I was because I knew where he was. And I, and I was at home, uh, that's that's my home. This, this earth, of course, is not my home. But he wasn't alone, there were dozens of other people around me, and, uh, teachers and aunts and uncles and classmates that had died at a very young age, next door neighbors. So um, I was around all these people and, and I knew where I was and not thinking about Earth anymore, because if you've been there, you don't really want to be here. So yeah. it was a great reunion.
0: And what what did it feel like? I mean, you just sort of hinted at it and I know that when I've interviewed other people who have who have said to have gone through the same experience, they have you know described that feeling. You know, what and also you mentioned your grandfather. One of the other questions that I had when he was speaking to you, what was it orally was it something that was that you could hear more in your in your head? I know that sounds odd, but that's sort of one of the descriptions that I've heard from others. Take me through that communication and also just the Overarching feelings as you experience this.
1: Well, it was—it was, it was uh, unspeakable joy. It was—it was bliss. It was—it was, uh, it was uh, completely without any um, worry. Uh, it, 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 it felt right. It was—it was home here. Often on Earth, we feel uneasy about the circumstances we find ourselves in. There are no worries uh, there, and no pain, and no tears and no dying. And so it was uh, It was just as awesome as it could possibly be. Uh, can't really exaggerate it, nor do I have the earthly words to do it justice. Um, being with my grandfather uh, was, uh, it, it was so satisfying because I had missed him so much and he died at, at only 70. Uh, and so I, I just, I, could, I thought of him every day and now I was with him and he was there to greet me. Uh, we did actually speak verbally um, but uh, i agree with other folks that you just mentioned there it and there is communication going on in heaven that's not verbal uh, and i don't mean just kind of telepathy i mean you just know uh, what a person wants you to understand you just know it and they know it from you as well so uh, communication in heaven is not just verbal it is uh it is, uh, it is, it is without words as well, and I, I found that extraordinarily satisfying.
0: Was there any sense of time while you were there? Because obviously, there's the, the earthly time in which you were were legally, clinically dead, and then there's the time that you were there. Were you were you able to tell as you were there how much time was passing?
1: No, no, there is no concept of time whatsoever in heaven. It, it's an eternal place, and we have nothing, of course, comparable to that here. We, we're we living our lives in minutes and seconds and hours and days and weeks, and heaven simply is no time. There's no night. Um, heaven is eternal, and so it is linear. It is propelled forward. There is, uh, there, there, you know, things happen, but uh, there's no elapse of time. There's no record of time. It's just... Just no time at all, so you don't feel uh, as if uh, you, you, there's no urgency about it. It is complete, uh, complete joy. So he, he, I was away from her, correct, for for 90 minutes. Um, you know, so technically the title might be he was 90 minutes away from her, but yeah, I was in heaven.
0: What uh, else did November you see? 92nd. What else did you see while you were there?
1: Over the heads of all these people who greeted me who, incidentally, were all people who helped me get there, uh, which I found quite astounding and still affects me profoundly today because it helped me understand why we're here. And and really, we're here to help everyone else get there. So, um, you know, I live with that every day of my life. They all reminded me at the Gates uh, of that. Uh, uh, you, you can actually see through the gate, uh, there is a, a, a massive boulevard that runs through the middle of the city, and uh, it appears to be made of gold, but gold that is so pure you can see through it. Uh, I've obviously never seen such a thing. It's a dense metal here, but in heaven, it's made, uh, the street is made out of it on both sides, get some structures. Uh, by any standard here, they would be called tension. There's a pinnacle high and lifted up in the center of the city. and at the top of that hill uh, are, the, are the brightest lights of all. And I know that's where the Lord is. high in the God his place.
0: Did you interact with um, Jesus at all or God in any way while you were there?
1: No, I just observed uh, their um, brilliance there at the pinnacle of that hill. They're actually thrones on top of the hill. And um, frankly, uh, I'm glad I didn't get any closer to him than I did uh, when I got back here and lay in a hospital bed for 13 months, had 34 surgeries. Had I seen Christ in heaven, had that taken away from me and came back to what I came back to, I never would have been able to function here again at all. It was hard enough just to experience what I did in heaven to come back and lose that. Uh, but, but seeing him face-to-face would have been, would have just been unbearable here, uh, even... What I saw was unbearable here to lose, but I do understand it now, and I'm still trying to get people in.
0: How long have you been a pastor?
1: 35 years.
0: Now, you were obviously a pastor before this happened. You were talking about your sermons, being in the car with you, and, and having, you know, on your way to a Bible study at church. Was there anything about this experience that surprised you? You know, as most pastors don't have an experience where they get a chance before dying to see um, these sorts of things to to experience them. Was there anything that you experienced that you thought, "Wow, this is surprising," or "Wow, I I wouldn't have expected this."
1: Uh, the intensity of the music, um, thousands of songs at the same time without chaos, because all the songs were symbiotic. They all they all fit together. They interface, uh, but I could distinguish each one of them with my heavenly ears, for lack of a better description. Uh, that music still. Uh, accompanies me uh, I can hear it in direct proportion to how weary I grow here on earth It just gets louder so the music was uh, was quite stunning and portable and pervasive and uh, that was uh, uh, quite amazing. Um, there were some people there who I, 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 I won't say I, I wouldn't have expected to see I just wouldn't have expected them to greet me so um, i have been asked by people you know did you see anybody there? that you didn't think would go to heaven. And I wouldn't go that far. I would just say there were people there who greeted me, and I had to really think about, you know, why why would this particular person? And I realized something in their life, something that they did, uh, influenced me uh, for Christ. And so um, I understand that now, but I thought it was really quite uh, amazing when I saw them.
0: Now, of course, in the last year or so, um, a, there, there have been questions about some stories. You know, that there was the the one story that um, the boy who went to who came back from heaven or who went to heaven who the, uh, the, the he,
1: Malarkey family.
0: Yeah, exactly. Who the name? Oh, everyone always laughs? They say the name, uh, of course. I, I,
1: yeah, I, I just yeah. <laughs> when that happened, of course. To be honest with you, I, I knew about that situation before it evolved, uh, but it was it was confidential. Uh, and uh, I, you know, really, really felt for that young man because he suffered so mightily in his physical condition. And I understood that because I was in the same condition for, for, for such a long time, which is what I identified with. But uh, yes, the father had really written that story and uh, the mother was really quite upset about it Then it actually became a book and was published uh but when it came out, it was, it was very devastating. And, uh, of course, it caused people to look at other such stories. I, I don't blame you. I wouldn't believe my story had it not happened to me, frankly.
0: How? Do, yeah, and, that, and so, I mean, how do you respond to those critics who say, oh, gosh, this isn't real? It's just, I think, and before you answer the question, I think one of the things that always strikes people, and I don't think it's as problematic as critics seem to think it is, but they'll say, well, that person wrote a book and they're doing a movie and they're making money off of this. And, you know, but I think the response to that that many other people would have is, well, if if you did go to heaven and you were sent back, many people believe that the purpose of being sent back was to share that story. And how else are you going to share it except for do, through those means, right, of, of – sharing it with the public. So that never really seemed as problematic to me as it is to some critics. But how do you respond to those critics who say, oh gosh, this, you know, this just isn't true and people are making this up to, to make money?
1: Yeah, I really don't respond to them. I, I, and I, I don't say this in a, in a dismissive way. I really, I really don't care uh, whether they understand it or, or agree with it or believe it or not. You know, you just, you, you, you live your life and, uh, and I'm living now, right, and again, uh, and it, it, it's just what happened. I mean, it certainly had the scars all over me to show that this that accident occurred. Uh, and, and I've got some on the inside you can't see. Uh, so it was a, quite a traumatic experience, to say the least. If, if I really wanted to exploit it, I've, I've done a really poor job. Uh, I, you know, this happened 26 years ago. I waited uh, 14 years to write the book. So I, I, I really wrote the book, If people have read it first line of the book because I wrote this book in self-defense and by that I meant I'm telling you the story so that we don't have to talk about it anymore. I don't really enjoy going over and over it, it again because it's something I miss now and the wreck was something I don't even want to think about. But
0: uh, yeah. I wrote it yeah.
1: so I wouldn't have to talk about it and uh, I formed a non-profit ministry that funnels uh, profits from book sales into uh, people who can't help themselves. And the movie uh, is actually a non-profit movie. All the profits from the movie will go to uh, foster children, and uh, widows, and uh, PTSD victims. So I won't make any money off the movie at all, nor will the producers. So,
0: so you have not you have not profited from the movie at all. No, and will not. Now that's I think that's an important detail, and I don't know if others have asked you that. Not again, not that. It, I don't know that it's problematic that people do profit off of these things, and I think that that's the that's the debate and the discussion that people want to have. But I think it adds a whole other level to your story and what you're saying. About this,
1: that I, that, that people don't that because the, the, the truck that hit me was a, a state truck, like owned by the Texas Department of Correction. There there wasn't even any recourse against. Me. Um, I, uh, had I been hit by a regular commercial truck, you know, uh, there, there should and would have been uh, compensatory damages, uh, they would have paid, but because it was a state truck and all of government vehicles were self-insured, they'd, they'd limit their liability. I never even realized anything as a result of being operated on 30, 34 times and uh, uh, what my, the financial difficulties my family went through, and I, I never got anything for that. So. I mean, really, it's a lot more ridiculous than people would even imagine. That actually is depicted in the movie. That you know, that the lawyer tried to help us uh, get some financial relief from the people who get me, and, and was unable to do so. So, in a very real sense, you know, I've never profited from this at all. Uh, and I, why would you? I don't. I don't. I only told it because I felt like it would help people get to heaven and help them have a better trip on the way.
0: No, absolutely. And there's just one other question I had, and I appreciate you've taken so much time. When you were, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you were, um, when you had died and you were and you were laying there, there was somebody who prayed for you, right? Was it another pastor, somebody who came in and had prayed for you? Is that correct?
1: It, it was, yes. He was, uh, uh, amazingly, uh, had left the conference prior to my leaving. And because it was a cold, rainy day, his wife asked him if he could stop and get some. Coffee or something so they could warm up and they did and I drove past them so the only reason they were behind me in a position to do that was just a cup of coffee or a couple of cups of coffee which they gave to the other victims actually so they were that could have been the accident had they not done that but they stopped and I drove past them they fell in behind me he walked up to the bridge the person, the person the traffic is black and walked in both directions and he walks up and sees the carnage and says to the policeman charge officer uh, I it there's a wreck here, uh, I'm a pastor in Houston, I'd like to pray for the victims. And the policeman said, well that's very nice, but there really isn't anybody to pray for. The victims, uh, the three other drivers uh, are, have been treated and released, the man in the red car over there is dead. And when the policeman said that, he, you know, this pastor, his name was Dick Arrecker, um, just heard God speak to him and he said, I, I felt God compelled me to pray, to pray for the man in the red car. And he told the policeman that, and the policeman said, well, uh, he's dead, well, that may be, but I gotta pray for him, so. He had to get permission to get in the car, they didn't want him to even get near it, they were afraid he'd be injured. He did, from the rear, because it's the only direction he could come from. Got under the tarp where the body was covered up, and uh, discovered this, you know, discerned that the only thing I didn't break was my right arm. He put his right, he put his, his right hand on my right shoulder from behind, and, and began to pray for me, and did so for nearly an hour and a half. And uh, after uh, an hour and a half, he was alternating verbal prayers with musical prayer, singing an old hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And uh, his, suddenly, as he sang that song, I started singing the song with him. And uh, he got out of the car very fast, and <laughs> I was the policeman and said, The dead man is singing. Oh, my God! Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can imagine, I I do remember singing with him, even if it was in the dark, you know, we were both covered up, and uh, I had no idea who he was or why we were singing, but uh, that began the rest of my life. Well,
0: wow. Now, have you kept in contact with him or the police officer that day?
1: Uh, he passed away, a uh, dead kind of heart attack just a few years later, and uh, it took much to my uh, pain, I, I, I developed a very close relationship with him. I actually... Spoke in his church uh, a, a little over a year later when I was still wearing his, uh, his serious leg brace, had to be picked up and put on the stage. And, uh, so yes, I became a close friend of his. We kept in contact. Uh, uh, we, we lived about 60 miles from each other, so we, we would meet in the middle and uh, have lunch. And uh, I, I really loved that guy, and it changed his life as you can imagine. He's praying for a dead guy, and he starts singing. So um, and, and as far as policemen. Or no I don't I don't think this is 26 years later so uh, uh, regrettably uh, most of these folks are gone and, and and that's one of the hard things you know in the movie I'm watching people uh, like my father and my mother-in-law take on a my best friend who organized a prayer meeting uh, all these people who, I, who with whom I was very close uh, are now gone to heaven themselves so uh, watching them being portrayed is extremely difficult to be honest with you um, but I, I'm glad that a new generation of people are going to be introduced to them. Uh, that That is good because these were wonderful, wonderful people and I miss them very much.
0: Well, listen, uh, Pastor, I appreciate you taking the time today and, and good luck with the film which again releases uh, tomorrow which is Friday, September 11th. I appreciate your time.
1: Well, uh, thank you. Thank you for what you do. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's quite overwhelming, frankly, and And uh, very humbling, uh, but we hope uh, it gets people into heaven, and we hope it it helps people understand that even though you've been knocked down, you don't have to be knocked
0: out. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time.
1: You bet. Till we meet again.
0: Bye-bye.